Let's get to, let's get to the whole reason we're here. All right? The whole reason we're here is for this series, and as we talk about worship, if you were here last week, you know that we looked at a psalm, we looked at Psalm 40, which is a, a psalm of praise and worship, right? It's a psalm that David wrote um, in response to what God was doing in his life, and he spent uh, a bunch of verses proclaiming God's goodness, right, and recognizing who God was. If you remember that, that was one of our main points, right? He recognized who God was. He recognized the power of God. He recognized the abilities of God, and then he spent the rest of the time in the psalm proclaiming the goodness of God and what God had done in his life. And we talked about how in our lives, if we are to be people that are worshipful, that's what we need to be doing. We need to recognize who God is in our lives. We need to recognize um, his ability, his strength, his power, but then we need to proclaim it with our lives. We need to proclaim it in the way that we live day in and day out. And that's where we're going to focus tonight. On this idea of what do we do with the, the command to be worshipers? How do we live this out? Like, what's it do to us in 2020 in the midst of the chaos that's going around in the world, right? In the midst of all the, the craziness of COVID and elections and, and, and all the other stuff and all the other junk that's happened this year, how do we worship God? How do we take that step to be worshipers even when it seems like it might not be that easy? I'm here tonight to tell you that it's really not that difficult of a, a thing. Like, this is not one of those, like, complicated messages. I honestly, I'm going to be really honest with you. I wrote this message really fast because the text kind of teaches it for you. And before we read the whole text that I have written there, like uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, I want to read one verse to you, and it's the last verse in this section, because I feel like this last verse sets up what was just said before it even better than the first couple of verses, if that makes sense. It's kind of a summary of what we're going to read in whole. But in verse 17 of chapter 3 in Colossians, it says this, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you guys catch that? Whatever you do in word and deed, do it all for him. You want to be a worshiper? You want to be someone that is known as someone that worships God and worships him day in and day out? Take this verse and apply it to your life. Whatever you do in word and in deed, do it all for him. At the top of the, of the handout there that you have in front of you, it says this, whatever you do, do it all for him. Do it all for him. No matter what you're taking part in, no matter what you're involved in, whatever activities you're doing, everything you do needs to be done for his glory and his honor. That's what it means to be a worshiper of God. It doesn't mean coming to church on a Wednesday night and, and, and sitting here and, and singing along with Patrick, although that's a part of worship. That doesn't make you a worshiper. What identifies you as a worshiper is a heart that desires to honor God with all things. With everything that you do, honoring God. 
And that's where we pick up the rest of the verses. Tonight, we're simply looking at these verses, verses 12 through 17, and seeing how can we as Christians or as as people that are trying to pursue God, how can we be worshipers day in and day out? Let's read together. Verse number 12. We'll start there and we'll read all the way through to 17 and then we're going to unpack it together. It says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then in verse 17, let's read it again. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray real quick. Father God, as we unpack these verses as we apply them to our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts, open up our ears, open up our minds to the thought that you have for us right now directly from your word. Help us not just to hear it, but help us to implement it into our lives. Help us to become a group of people, a group of students that worship you in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, In verse 17, as we've read already three times, we're able to worship God in two ways. Now, this isn't like a complete thing. Don't like think like this is the only way you can worship God. But this pretty much sums it up. We are called to worship God in word and in deeds. You guys catch that? Pretty simple, right? In words... And in deeds, in the things that you say and the actions that you take. That pretty much sums up about 99.9% of what you do, right? The words that you speak and the actions that you take. So tonight, I just want to take a look at this passage and see what does it mean for us to worship in word? What does it mean for us to worship in deed? How does that change? How does that impact the way that we live our lives? How does that change the way that you interact with others? First, let's look at worshiping God in word. This passage has a couple different ways of looking at it. In, in, in verse 13, it talks about forgiveness and forgiving one another. If one has a complaint against one another, you forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. And now that's an action, but there's also an amount of words that are involved in forgiveness, right? You need to communicate. You need to have that open line of communication. It's one thing to forgive someone. It's another one to let them know that you're forgiven. Have you had those conversations? Have you had those conversations with people? Have you had those words of forgiveness come out of your mouth? Or 
been holding on to those grudges. Verse 14, words of love and affirmation. Verse 14, it says this, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. All throughout scripture, there's a theme in this, like, especially in the New Testament. Love, like God loves. Are the words that you're speaking, that you're speaking, are they affirming others? Are they lifting up others? Are they expressing God's love? Or are they negative? Are they tearing people down? Are they, are they, are they a, a word that when you speak to someone, they walk away with a sour taste in their mouth for you and for the God that you represent? Speak words of love, words of affirmation. Also, Words of thankfulness. This is like all throughout this passage, you read like, and, and be thankful and, and have words of thanks and give thanks and, and sing songs and, and a heart of thankfulness towards God. Like communicate that. Be a thankful person. Be a person that appreciates what God has given you. Communicate that with the people that you interact with. Communicate that with one another. Communicate that with God. I can't tell you how many times I've just stopped in my tracks and said, thank you, God. And have that moment of worship and communicate it with my mouth. Whatever you do in word and deed, do it all for him. Be thankful. And then we get to, in verse 16, kind of the most obvious worship in, in, that we would communicate or that we would identify as worship in song and, and spiritual song and hymns and psalms. And, and all that really is encompassing worship music and singing out to him. I think this is probably Patrick's favorite verse in this part because it's just this idea of, uh, of a command from God and from his word to worship him in music. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You've never heard me sing, and you don't want me singing. But can I tell you that God doesn't care if you can hit that pitch? God doesn't care if you hit the right notes. He just wants to hear your heart. So worship him in the words that you speak, the words that you sing. Worship him. God in word. But then we get to the second command in verse 17, to worship God not just in word or in deed, or excuse me, but in deed. Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. This word, this word deed is a pretty all-encompassing word. It's this idea of whatever action you take, whatever you're involved in, whatever activity you are, are, are currently taking part in, do it for him. All right. Go to church. Great. Awesome. That's a deed. Worship him in that. Great. Read your Bible. Great. Prayer. Great. Singing. Worship. Awesome. Good. You're knocking it out of the park so far. What about with your schoolwork? What about with your study habits? What about 
with your friendships, the activities you take part in with your friends? Is God being worshipped through those? You see, all throughout the beginning of this, in verse 12, it talks about how we're God's chosen ones, right? We're supposed to live. How do we worship God indeed? We live as God's chosen ones. What does that mean? That we live holy and different lives. We're set apart. We're called to live different. We shouldn't live like everybody else. We're separate. That's what it means to be holy to be separate, it's to be separate, to live at a different standard, to live by a different calling in your life. Have you been doing it? Also, we're to not just live as God's chosen ones, but we're to live a life that's marked with compassion. I love that word, compassion. Because the word compassion is like love, but more. To live a life that's marked with compassion means that you love enough to do something about it. Live a life that's marked with compassion, that you see people in need of Jesus, that you're going to be compelled to do something about it and share Jesus with them. That's what it means to live a life that's marked with compassion. See somebody in need and you can help, you help. You do what you can. Are you living a life that's marked with compassion? What about are you living a life that's marked with kindness? Are you a kind person? Would people in your school be like, yeah, that guy's pretty kind? Or would they be like, man, that guy's a jerk? Like, would you be nervous if I walked through your school and I just surveyed random people in your classes and in your hallway? Be like, hey, man, what do you think about so-and-so? And if they go, Ugh. or are they going to be like, man, that guy's one of the greatest guys I know. That guy will give me the shirt off your back. He loves people. He loves God, and it shows. Are you living a life that's marked by that? How else do we worship God indeed? Not only do we live as God's chosen ones, not, do we, not only do we live a life that's marked with compassion and marked with kindness, but then we also need to be humble about it. Verse 12 again. Humility. I think humility is one of those things that we struggle with. I know I do at times. Are you humble or are you prideful? Are you always trying to one-up the next person? Are you always trying to be the best? Are you always trying to be the center of attention? Or are you letting others take that? Are you trying to deflect? My challenge to us all is that we would be humble We'd also be patient. We'd worship God by being patient. Being patient people, we'd have the longest fuse in our group of friends. We wouldn't blow up at the drop of a hat. We'd be patient with people that we don't agree with. Ooh, that one's hard. You don't see eye to eye with somebody. How do you react? Do you blow up in their face? Do you call them a moron? 
Or do you take genuine care and listen to what they have to say? Be patient, be humble, and then love like it's your job. As Christians, we're called to live differently. We're called to love like God loves. We're called to forgive like God forgives. Love like it's your job. Go out of your way to show Christ's love to people. There's a reason in verse 14 it says that. And above all, uh, excuse me, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You can be patient, you can be humble, you can live a life that's kind and compassionate, but if it's not like interwoven with the love of God, it's worthless. You want to worship God with your life? You want to be a, a worshiper, a person that has a life that's marked by worship? Love like God loves. Forgive like God forgives. Serve like God serves. In short, guys, listen. Our lives are a chance to worship God in all that we do. Our lives are a chance to worship God in all that we do. That's honestly like the reason we're here on earth is to worship him and to serve him and to live for him and to draw others to him. Because here's the thing, guys. If you worship, if you live a life that's marked with worship, people are going to be drawn into Jesus. Like if you just live a life that's marked by these characteristics that we talked about, people are going to get interested. People are going to be curious about what God is doing in your life. And guys, listen, can I tell you that in the midst of the chaos and, and the turmoil in people's lives, when they see somebody at peace with God, when they see somebody at peace with the world, and they see somebody that's worshiping God and living a life that's kind, humble, patient, and marked by love and compassion, they want that. And the door is wide open. So how do you measure up? When you examine your own life, how you been doing? Have you been worshiping God with all that you do? In word and in deed? Have you done everything in the name of Lord Jesus? Have you been giving thanks to God the Father through him? Have you been pointing people towards God? Have you been drawing people to God in the way that you live your life, in the words that you speak, in the actions that you take? My hope and prayer for every single one of us is that we would take on this challenge and radically change the community that we live in. Because I'm a firm believer, if just a handful of teenagers grab a hold of this concept and live a life that worships God and lives a life that, that is pointing people towards Jesus and the way that you live and the way that you speak and the actions that you take, guys, listen, your community, your school, your friends, your team will be radically changed for Christ. I promise you. That is the power of Christ. When we as Christians live out a life that honors Christ and worships Christ, people notice and they want it. Some of the greatest revivals in history were birthed out of trials and tribulations and struggles. 
Guess what we're in as a country, as a nation, as a world right now? Trials, tribulations, troubles. People are looking for hope. People are looking for answers. People are looking for, for support. We have the answer. It's Jesus. Will you radically change the culture of your schools? People will be drawn to us, and they will be drawn to the same Jesus that we are worshiping. Let's take that step together. Let's worship together. Let's point people towards Christ in the words that we speak and the actions that we take. I don't care where you, I don't care if you're a freshman, I don't care if you're a senior, I don't care if you're homeschooled or public school or private school, I don't care wherever you are, the community that you're in is watching you. How are you going to change things? How are you going to make a difference? That's what it means to worship him. And guys, listen, I tell you this with all certainty in my heart. He is worthy of it all. Every bit of worship you could give him, he's worthy of. He's earned it. He deserves it. I promise you that. Point people towards him. Don't just sit here tonight and go, okay, that's nice, that's cool, chow. No, like this is a real deal. What do you need to change in your life? What step do you need to take tonight to make this part of your lifestyle? What do you need to eliminate and what do you need to add? Guys, listen, God's ready to move. He's just waiting on us. And here's the thing, he'll move without you. But I've seen God move in my life when I worship him, when I'm all in. And I know there's some of you in here that would probably echo the same thing. You see God do amazing things when you pursue him and you worship him with your whole heart and your whole life. Whatever you do in, in word and deed, do it all for him. Worship him with your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for these students. I thank you for your word, how it challenges us, how it, it, it presses us to, to do better, how it challenges us to, to live a life that, that points people towards you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, whatever we do in word and deed, would draw people to you. Help us to, to speak words of love, speak words of affirmation, to, to speak words of forgiveness. But Lord, help us to live a life that, that displays compassion, that displays patience. Lord, that impacts others. Help us to sing out to you because you deserve all the praise and all the glory and all the worship. Lord, you are truly worthy of it all. Lord, I pray that this room would be full of students that, that take this challenge, Lord, and radically change their community. Lord, I pray for those that are watching online right now, Lord, that you would do the same thing in their hearts, that they would be able to radically change the community that they're in, that they're a part of, because of their love and their worship of you. Lord, use us. Guide us and direct us tonight. 
Lord, as we finish this time of worship tonight in song, in worship through song, Lord, I pray that you'd knock down every barrier in this room, every, every hesitation to worship you in song, Lord. I pray that we would take on the commands that you've given us in Colossians to worship you with song and spiritual songs and songs and hymns, Lord. Give us the, the boldness to sing out, not because we like to sing, but because we love the one that we're singing to. Be with us tonight. It's in Jesus' most glorious and precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, guys, and let's worship the one who is truly worthy of it all.